Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. friends welcome back to the lookout landing podcast your favorite mariners podcast in the world i'm sure we are starting 2020 with a brand new edition of the podcast featuring a brand new staff member at lookout landing uh, everyone please digitally welcome nat baird to the show what's up nat how's it going how's it going guys I'm glad to be here with lookout landing um yeah <laughs> Wee! We're thrilled Wee! to have you. <laughs> oh yeah, Teen Spirit, baby. Yes. It smells like Teen Spirit. Ooh, can we use that as music? We can That'd use that as music. I'm sure it's exactly Seattle. what Kurt Cobain would have wanted. <laughs> um, yeah, Nat is the newest hire. He has wrote, written. Sorry, I know how to talk. He has written some of our uh, 40 and 40s about J.P. Crawford and Malik Smith. And he is also, by far, I believe... Actually, I don't know about by far, because we also have the lovely Becca Weinberg on staff. Becca, yeah. But Nat is one of the youngest members of the crew and a real-life teenager. Mm, so we Actual teen. An actual teen. And we thought, what better way to connect to the youth than talking to them about the right. Seattle Mariners? We're really going topic. after that, uh, that youth demographic. Certainly. Yes. So for anyone who has been following the podcast this offseason, you know that we've been having... Um, kind of a rotating crew of guests um, from lots of different backgrounds, age ranges, all Which that. just, time out, let's shout out Matthew, who has been doing an excellent job. I've been taking kind of a break from the podcast. 
Um, this is Kate Prusser, by the way, for those of you who just started listening in the last month or so. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm the managing editor of Lookout Landing. Yeah, it's a, it's a little... I mean, I know. I've been gone. I've been gone. So, uh, But shout out to the wonderful Matthew Roberson, who has been handling, holding things down on the podcast front and talking to lots of different people from all kinds of different walks of life. You've been yes, doing a great, I... a bang-up job with that, Matthew. Thank you, Kate. Appreciate that. And I encourage anyone who has been uh, kind of ignoring the Mariners this offseason, which is totally understandable, to go back into the into the podcast archive and listen to some of the conversations I've been having. Um, I've had a great time doing it. I hope those who have listened have enjoyed them. But uh, today we are going to talk to Nat about his Mariner fandom as he has a very unique perspective on it, um, I'm sure, given that he was born in 2002, so he has not been on this earth. Oh, it's the sound of me crumbling into <laughs> dust. <laughs> has not been on this earth for a single Mariner playoff game. So, Nat, the first question that I wanted to ask you is, like, have the Mariners even really, like, had a chance to sort of, like, seep into your worldview and, like, ruin it at all? Or has it just been, like, that... Are you able to kind of keep them at arm's length because they haven't had any real success? So it's like maybe easier to treat them as like sort of a non-serious entity or are you the person who's still completely invested in every game? Like you're kind of living and dying with them. I want to know what your approach is to the Mariners having never really experienced them being a real threat to anyone. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, the Mariners, I've always viewed it as winning. You know, obviously it really seems cool. It, it looks really cool. I have some friends who are Astros fans who they have been winning a lot recently um, for now. Um, but yeah. Now it, remind it, the uh, people where you're from, where, where oh, you live. Yeah, of course. Where you would I'm, encounter a lot of Astros fans, obviously. Well, that's from. So I'm from Boise, Idaho. Um, but I go to a boarding school. Home of Astros country. Often. Full of Astros. Yes, I'm sorry, I talked over you, but go ahead. No, it happens. But, um, yeah, no, winning seems really cool. I've always been the type of person to be more invested in the players. Um, 2018, obviously that hurt a bit. I was getting really excited. I really thought that that was going to be the year at first. It was a really fun team. Um, But to say that I've experienced anywhere close to the heartbreak of some of the Mariners fans who have been through it for a bit more would just be a lie, so... So, obviously, if winning and postseason success aren't really at, like, the top of your priority list, um, what is it that you're looking for in sports? You mentioned that you kind of follow players more than the actual team, but help the older crowd kind of understand different ways to appreciate sports besides just the winning and losing binary that we get so caught up in. Yeah, I mean, and and to say I'm completely apathetic about how the team does on the field is I obviously care about wins and losses, um, but... To say that would be the only reason that I was a Mariners fan would just be incorrect because I feel like I couldn't be a Mariners fan at that point. Um, And so I feel like I've kind of been forced into just appreciating the team as a whole and appreciating the people that we've been fielding Um, and really understanding like the stories behind these people and the the fun aspects about them that make it fun to root for players even when they might not be playing the best. Um, And so, yeah, that's something that's made rooting for the Mariners a lot more tolerable and even fun at times, believe it or not. Who was your earliest um, favorite? Because we will talk about, like, when you caught on, when you got really invested in the team, because there were some funny, unique circumstances with that. But, like, who was your first favorite Mariner? Um, 
you know, like, so I, we, could, we could even just segue into that now, could we? Or do we have more questions before that? I'm not the boss of you. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, I technically yeah, yeah. am, I guess. But, like, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, so I had always followed the Mariners kind of from arm's length. Um, yeah. However, like, much of the youth of America, baseball was never my my favorite sport. I was always more of a football and basketball kid. It's a lot easier to understand for most people. Um and so I, you know, I'd always like, you know, big flashy players, Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz, and they were always cool because they hit dingers and were good. Um, but then when I really started following the Mariners, I, I really enjoyed D. Gordon. Um, he's obviously just so likable and such a charismatic guy. It's hard to not like him. And the stolen base is probably my favorite play, play in baseball. So that was cool, even though he didn't do that as much as probably would have wanted him to. But. Um, yeah, it definitely would have been D. Gordon for me. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't steal first base, I've been told. Otherwise, D. would probably be the greatest player in Mariners history. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so I'm curious how, like, as you mentioned, like, the youth, you know, in quotes, don't really gravitate to baseball like they once did. And then you also have sort of the interesting part of not even growing up in Washington. So how do you originally even... Like, I don't want to say discover, but how do you realize that you like the Mariners and you like baseball? Did you ever play baseball? Like, I know that's an entry point for a lot of people, but if not, how did you decide that you wanted to be a Mariners fan? Yeah, so I, I never played baseball. Uh, it's one of my big regrets in life. I really wish I did. Um, I've been doing rock climbing for since a young age. I've been doing that for a really long time. And so that's the school I go to is a boarding school that travels internationally for rock climbing. And... So first semester of my sophomore year, I was flying out of Portland to fly to Spain. Um, but then when I got to the got to the gate, it uh, my passport was actually expired. Um, you'd think that would be the first thing that you check when flying internationally. However, uh, I feel like it can, those first things can often be the last things. Um, so I was it was expired, and I got to spend a week up in Seattle getting that figured out with the great people in the Seattle passport office. Um, and I was out to dinner with my with some family that lived up there with my dad, and the Mariners were on TV in there. I was like, oh, okay, I want to go to an MLB game. I'm not that big of a Mariners fan, but uh, it'll be fun. And saw that it was Justin Verlander's Astros debut, and I was like, oh, that that'd be a cool thing to see. I can tell my grandkids about that or something along those lines um so i look on seat geek they're six dollar tickets right up like it sounds bowl. about right yeah exactly I, I was excited it was a real life sporting event with real life players um ariel miranda was pitching for the mariners superstar yep ariel i remember miranda. this game vivid i think i was at this game i remember it vividly yeah yeah and i going into the game i was really excited about kyle seager because he had hit a home run the night before um, he followed it up again, another home run. The Mariners' only run of the game. It ended up, we ended up losing three to one. But um, no, it was a ton of fun. Robins and Cano went three, three or four, I believe. Um, but we lost. Um, it was a really, really nice introduction to Mariners fandom that way, I suppose. But um, no, since then I, I really started keeping tabs on the team and got really invested in that off season and experienced my first Mariners heartbreak with Shohei Otani but um yeah since then I've been more locked in than I was in the past for sure um you you travel a lot right because of the rock climbing you've been yeah. to how many different countries seven? Oh, five? Oh, I don't know um 
yeah, let me think here. Uh, let's see. China, Chinese. right? Because Chi- yeah, China. I write a wrote about that. In JP forty for forty. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Lookoutlanding.com plug. Oh, very good, very good. Getting this. the plugs for the site in. I like it. Incredible yeah. plug. <laughs> um, so yeah, China, um, Greece, Spain, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, um, and then US, USA, of course. But yeah, those are, I guess, those seven. Uh, I was surprised that there's so much primo climbing in Spain. I did not realize that that was like one of the world hotbeds for for rock climbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean. So as you've been doing all this traveling all over the world, like uh, as you've been doing all this traveling all over the world, like uh, here, I think to kind of keep up with the team, just because baseball is every day. If you stop following, like it's really easy to fall out of it, right? Totally. Totally. Um, and yet you have kept this up from like all over the world. How, how have you? How have you done it, or why have you done it? Maybe is the better question. Yeah, I um. I'm the kind of person that's always just really enjoyed learning, and so um, baseball was something that was relatively new to me, and I really liked all the you know ways that you can look at statistics and all these different numbers that um, were a bit more complex than numbers that I had seen in football or basketball prior to that. Um, and so I just had a ton following the Mariners during the 2018 season because um, for the for most of it they were they were really good, had a really fun team, um, and so yeah, I'd, uh, it worked out really nicely because. Most days when we'd walk to the climbing area, we'd have to get up really early at like five or six because it would get too hot to climb during the day. So we'd have to climb in the morning. Um, and I'd be able to, I'd, uh, I'd call my parents or I'd, if I decided I'd splurge on the ludicrous international data, um, I'd just listen to the, to the radio. And um, no, it was a ton of fun. It was really grounding. And at my school, we do pretty much all we do is climb in school. And so it was really nice to kind of have that thing that I could invest myself in that was more individual to me and something like a, a fun act, extracurricular activity for me, I suppose. I don't know if I've ever heard the Mariners described as a fun extracurricular activity, <laughs> even yeah. by people who are like pretty, pretty dire fans. But. but I feel like that might be sort of the youth privilege talking, like <laughs> being able to just have the Mariners as like this. This thing that's not because I think when you have sort of the at least a little taste of them being good, like I mean, I was also pretty young, not to flex on Kate, but when the Mariners made the O one playoffs, I was also a child, and like even that was enough to sort of like make me a think that that kind of thing would just happen regularly, and b to like want it to like to I don't know, it's that thing where it's like, would you rather? you know, be born blind or have the ability to see and then lose it. Like, I had that ability to see what postseason baseball looked like and, like, what Seattle felt like when the Mariners were winning. And then that's been gone for the last 18 years, obviously, or mm. <laughs> Matt's whole life. So I'm wondering, like, if them just never even being part of the equation has helped you sort of detach from that or, like, have the sort of the luxury of not worrying about the Mariners. Because I feel like I have that exact feeling towards the entire NBA now that the Sonics are gone. Like, I just truly watch it for entertainment without really worrying about who's winning, who's losing, who's even really playing well. So That's I mean, I true. Matthew like, is just giving me a hard time because I've been sort of anxious to get the podcast going so I could go back and check the score on the Husky basketball game because I am still, like, a one-team person or, like, the NBA team I follow is the Sixers because of Matisse Thibault. Like, you know, it's a... It, 
it is, I'm still invested on that, like, I have to have a home team to root for, kind of, and so even without that in basketball, I'll look for it, but I love this idea that, like, oh yeah, without, without being super attached to the outcome, you can enjoy the process more, right, more, which is something we're talking about with the Mariners a lot, is the, the focus is very much on the process and not on the end result, that's, like, the organizational dictum right now, so this is an interesting overlap there. Yeah, and I think it's very easy to forget that, like, at their very essence, sports are meant to just be entertainment. Like, I feel like a lot of players would even tell you that. Like, when, I mean, I hear it a lot with, like, when players will give interviews and they're talking about, like, their interactions with fans and they're like, they never really say this outright, but you, a lot of times you get the vibe that, like, the players will think, oh my God, the fans care more about the winning and losing than we right. do. Like, obviously, every player is trying to win, but, like, I think players are. Uh, able to like flush it easier and just like move on with their lives much more than the fans who are like adding them on Twitter and being like oh why didn't you do this or like fantasy owners who are bad and toxic a lot of the time like it's funny to me how fandom can like sort of creep into that like dangerous zone when Mm -hmm. at the very beginning like no matter if you get into it as a kid or as an adult like you get into it because you just want something to take your mind off of the real world typically and then when that starts to go away and you're like getting mad all over again then it I feel like it defeats the purpose so I mean me personally I'm not the type of person who like will let a Mariners loss or a Seahawks loss like really bother me this like the way that an actual life event would but I also like try to be empathetic of those people because I know that for a lot of people like they really like they'll plan their not their lives but they'll plan like a night around watching sports and when that goes poorly they feel like their life has been sort of diminished in a way so I think Nat's whole thing of like oh you know like winning and losing is great but the Mariners have never really been interested in that anyway so I'm not going to be interested in it is a very fascinating outlook that we haven't really had yet on the show I Um, think too like a difference with Nat as a guest is Nat is like a legit athlete. Like rock climbers are athletes. I I've looked at some of the pictures on your Instagram and they are crazy. Like it's just you up on this rock and like all these crazy muscles in your back and you're like clinging to the side of this. It's terrifying, honestly. Yeah. But it is it is an athletic pursuit, but at the end of the day, like it's not a competition with anyone kind of but yourself. Like you're just trying I guess it's a competition between you and the rock, but like, I wonder if sort of because rock climbing, I think, is a it's a sport, but it's a process oriented sport rather than like there are no standings or anything. Right. I mean, I don't know. What do I know about rock climbing? But no. I'm wondering if that like kind of affects the way that you approach fandom as well. Well, and yeah, that was a huge draw to the sport as me as well, because like I. I and do we call it a sport? Is rock climbing a sport? It is in the Olympics this year. So oh. I feel like that's fair to call it a sport. Oh, yeah. Tokyo 2020. Um, but yeah, that playing soccer growing up, like pretty much every kid in America, um, I would always get really frustrated when I would have a good game, but you know, like is often in team sports, the whole team can't always have good games. Um, so it was really nice to be in climbing when I was the only person in control of how I performed. Um, and I mean, sure, like weather and other things are affect you, but at the end of the day, you're the person who is like on the on the wall um and so that's what's make it that's what made being a mariners fan easier to stomach when it'd be like okay the mariners are, are not playing very well right now but um ryan haley's really on a tear right now that's really cool it's like you know really kind of meaningless stuff like that and 
being able to see that and appreciate it has been really, really good for me. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot here because I am <clears throat> somebody who was like, I don't care as much about football anymore. Um, but I mean, that's that devastating Seahawks Super Bowl loss. And the I mean, I felt like bad after that. I went and laid on my floor upstairs and just like laid on the floor for a while and felt bad. And yeah, it was, I, did a, I, I would love for bed. sports to not affect me like that anymore. I, I laid in my bed and stared at Twitter for like literally two hours. Oh, I didn't then, want anything to do with Twitter. Like, yeah, not that was my at first all. mistake. And then I got up and just went for like a really, really long walk. Like, <laughs> a very, very long walk. And that helped a lot. But that was actually kind of a turning point for me, like realizing during that walk that like I should not be basing my happiness around the outcome of a sporting event. Especially, too, like when you really start thinking about it, which I kind of have been doing in the past months. It's like the only reason why, like at the end of the day, the reason why I truly am a Mariners fan is just because their stadium is the closest to the hospital I was born in. And when you put it in terms like that, it's like, this is kind of dumb, Matthew. Like, don't really like devote your your life to this in the same way that you would like, I don't know, like a child or a real person that you know, because that <laughs> I think it's easy for it to get into that territory where you're like so invested in the Mariners or the Seahawks or whoever that you like are rooting for them the same way you root for your friend's success and then when you start to zoom out and you realize like a these people don't know who you are they don't care about you and b like it's just a weird like kind of arbitrary geographical thing at least for me I know some people are Mariners fans who aren't from the area but like for me that's really all it was and I think like it's kind of I guess reductive to like do it like that and think about all the ways that sports shouldn't matter but I do think it can be healthy sometimes and I feel like that is something that Matt has kind of had naturally almost with both the travel and just the Mariners right. never really giving you an opportunity to lose the Super Bowl on the one yard line <laughs> yeah no it's it's funny too because um for the NBA I'm a fan of the Utah Jazz and they've been good recently um and I have a completely opposite approach with them I'm like okay I you guys need to win because you're good um and you know the Mariners, I have just never never viewed it that way. In 2018, I definitely was getting towards that before it all fell apart. Um, but but it's just funny how the two are so different in my eyes. But Nat, are your parents baseball fans at all? No, no. My dad was growing up as a kid. He's from Chicago, um, so he's a Cubs fan and was you know got all excited during their run, but not much at all. No. So, okay, so what what year is it, if you can remember, like, when did you, is it really 2018 was, like, when you actually started to, like, sort of really consume them, or was that, like, was there ever a point in your childhood where, like, in, like, 2009, 2010, whatever, where, like, you were kind of aware of the Mariners and, like, knew that they were a laughing stock or, like, what was, like, in your earliest memories of the Seattle Mariners, what are they, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> what are they, um... So I, before I moved to Boise, I lived in Annapolis, Maryland, which was about 40 minutes outside of D.C. Um, you know, they obviously have a team, the Nationals. Um, their nickname, the Nats, made it really easy for me to root for them when I was five and six. Um, and so, yeah, when, like, you know, growing up, uh, I would be like, oh, yeah, when, like, you know, growing up, uh, I would be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a Nationals fan. And, Nats! No, I'm a Nats fan. I wouldn't say I'm a Nationals fan. I'm a Nats fan. Um... Especially because in Annapolis, I think you should have been an Orioles fan, but whatever. We'll, we'll exactly, leave that aside. Exactly, exactly. But it's the <clears throat> Nats, you know. Yeah, anyways. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, 
my I, you know people talk to me like no you're in Idaho now Seattle they're the they're the close team you should be Seattle fan so I look at them and I'm like oh they have Robinson Cano that's really cool that's neat um but then I looked at the their record and I was like oh oh no I I can't do this and then kind of put, put, close that book and that's a very common response to in yeah. Mariners oh no yeah. oh no but yeah close that close that book allowed it to collect dust for a few more years till I was mature enough to take on that record but yeah <laughs> until I was emotionally prepared to take yeah. on the Mariners. Yeah. Again, all all of this is uh, is checking out. I mean, yeah. I really cheated. I had ninety five. I mean, I had the ninety five team, so that was kind of. My, I had Edgar Martinez. I had Randy Johnson. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm part of that generation, so I'm probably the laziest fan out of all three of us because <laughs> everything. I mean, it was a base. I grew up in a baseball town, which. Well, I kind of grew up on, like, the cusp between the Mariners being really bad in the 80s and then the the 95 team. And so I've seen the town go from not a baseball town to a baseball town. And I'm really hoping that, you know, this is what we've got going forward and next wave. I'm super excited about the prospects, obviously. Nat, uh, what about your journey to understand? Because it took me a long time to, like figure out what prospects were even and how they worked and like how they developed. So like, what about, do you have a favorite prospect and like, how did you kind of, cause you came to us, um, Nat wrote me a very nice email about getting started in the business. And I was like, wow, you can, you can write, you should probably come write for the site. (laughs) Um, but I'm interested in knowing like how you got, because you came to us with a fair amount of prospect knowledge. So how did you acquire that in addition to like, you know, it's been a a pretty sharp upward swing in your baseball fandom. You've learned a lot in just a few years. So talk about that a little. Yeah. So 2018, I, I wasn't really that interested in it, obviously, because we had a pretty terrible farm and the major league team was more serviceable for most of it. Um, but then, uh, yeah, obviously, Depoto blew it up and... Um, that's when I really started to get into it and really start looking at those rankings and looking at things. And um, all of this was going on when I was in, in China. Um, and so in, in climbing, there's this, when we when we want to take photos of people, most of the photos you've seen of me, it's probably on people on fixed lines. And so someone hauls up a rope to the anchors of a climb. It's a static rope and you, you jug up it. So you get a cool tool called an ascender and you're you're in with your harness and you jug up it and you can take photos of someone on the wall from above them. So you're, um, you know, you're, you're like 60, 70 feet in the air. Um, I like understood you know, like out, one word photos. out of that, but yes. Okay. I got it. Okay. Pictures. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm taking photos of my friend, my friend Olivia. Um, and I get a notification. It's, it's Twitter. She's, she's taken out her bolt. So she's not climbing. I look at her. I'm like, Oh, what? Uh, Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz trade. Uh, Jared Jared Kelnick Justin Dunn what and so yeah that was obviously when I really got into it was um yeah at 70 feet off the ground on a on a fixed line is when I found out about the Robinson <laughs> Kelnick trade which was a bit fun but yeah ever since then I've just been um you know looking looking at rankings and trying to learn more about amazing Brody is the gift that just keeps on giving like here here he's given us a prospect knowledgeable writer. I'm, I'm just so. The so one pleased. thing he won't give me is an 
add to his LinkedIn network. <laughs> Brody, on. add Matthew. I sent you this LinkedIn request maybe a calendar year ago, Brody. You fucking coward. Let me in. <laughs> I have so many good ideas. Um, before we move on, we actually have to take an ad break, which is very exciting. Woo! But I want to say real quick, Nat, I started to lose relatability to you, A, when you said that the Washington Nationals existed when you were five years old, <laughs> and B, when you talked about uh, rock climbing in China, I started to think about all the things that I haven't done in life. But we can get into that a little more after this short break. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us through what I believe is the first ever ad in the Lookout Landing podcast history, which is a, a very fun moment for all of us. I'm sure we'll all remember where we were. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. The Blog Talk Radio maybe did did a couple, maybe like once or twice there was one appended on there. I don't know. Anyway, the ad breaks help us fund the podcast and, and continue to do these things. So help thank you for sticking out. with us. I'm trying to be huge, everyone. <laughs> That's true. Matthew wants those sponsorships. He really... Yes. White Claw. Um, <laughs> other White Claws. I just want... I want to be able to drink White Claw for free off of podcast money. That would be the funniest thing in the entire world. It's true. And I could really use a website. So I'm hoping that Squarespace, who apparently sponsors everyone. Oh, will... smart. Yeah, wait. That's actually a good oh, idea. Sure. You know what has really been bothering me is that I don't have a Lamborghini. That would really, I think, improve the podcast <laughs> if I could listen to it. In a now Lamborghini. you're just pulling that John Oliver bit when he made fun of pomegranate juice and so they sent him a case of pomegranate juice and then he was like, you know what really sucks? Rolexes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my nightmare would be to have this podcast simulcast on HBO. That would be the absolute worst <laughs> possible thing that could happen to us. I mean, you're a star in the making, Matthew. Soon, soon, soon someone will see it, I promise. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I mean, not- I, I, the TV, your TV appearance on New Day Northwest, which we should link in this... Uh, in the Smart. episode description was, I mean, it was, I was so, uh, I was, I was honestly proud. I honestly choked up a little watching you. I was so proud of you <laughs> and you just did great. Uh, so if you want to see Matthew talking about the Mariners, uh, we, we have a link to his appearance on the New Day Northwest show. We sure do. I will link to that. Uh, my interview with Margaret Larson, who is now one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, I will confess to not knowing much about her, but she was a wonderful host, and I enjoyed our five minutes together, which felt like 30 seconds, but I was told that it was like six minutes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of watching myself, but thank you everyone for the kind words on it. 
Um, and also, look at this segue. This is what's going to get us that HBO money. <laughs> Another thing that will be hard to watch, the 2020 <laughs> Boom. Oh, well played. Expert. Well played. Um, so I want to start this question um, with Nat, because I, you are our guest, first of all, and we want to hear um, your take on things. But also, as someone who has sort of had a stunted uh, Mariner fandom, uh, what are your thoughts about them doing like a full on they won't say it but we'll say it a full on rebuild um, so close to being in contention in 2018 like I guess A I want to ask you when it started to happen like did that turn you off at all or were you as kind of this new wave of fan were you like more excited to see the prospects come in and sort of evaluate the the young players like how did you sort of um, accept this proposition that the Mariners were going to actively get worse after almost making the playoffs? Yeah, um, I always, even during 2018, I, I viewed it as kind of fluky. Um, uh, just looking at the run differential was um, a bit concerning. Um, and I, I was happy with it because, to me, I think as a baseball team, you want to appeal teams that are going to win championships. And it was apparent that that Mariners core was never going to do that. Um, and so it just made the most sense to me to blow it up and try to try to get a team with a chance that could actually make it past the first round. Um, so I was really happy with it. Obviously, it was a like a bit disheartening to see some players that I really liked leave, but um, I always felt like it was the correct organizational move. Yeah, after uh, Cruz's, I mean, I knew that I knew we were gonna have to let Cruz go play for someone else. Like you just can't hold on to him through the period of resetting and like it was with the 2018 team I was so sure they were gonna make it I was so sure and then they just fell apart and I I was going back to like our conversation about not letting sports make you feel sad like that was I, I, I was I was legitimately in mourning like I went through the five stages of grief on that I was really mad about it I tried to like bargain my way out of it and see if they could still make it they could still make it you know like the simpsons episode where the turkey or the pig is flying away from homer and he's like oh it's just a little dusty it's still good it's still good um it's just a little airborne it's still good it's so good but it was it when they when i really admit it when i got to the acceptance stage i was really sad i mean and I, I was sad not only because I really thought that we were going to get to cover a playoff team and I was so excited. I was so excited for the people of Seattle to have that. I was excited for us to be a baseball team again. And that just really felt like, no. Like, if this team can't do it, there's no way that this present assembled group can do it. So, in a way, to me, it felt like a relief, even though I think the one that hurt me the most was Cruz. Like, that, that really stung. I knew it had to happen, but he was just, he was the one that, uh, if it, even Paxton, like, uh, even Paxton didn't pain me as much as, as Cruz. He was just such a good guy, and um, it really hurt to see him go. But it, it did feel like a relief, like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna stop avoiding this. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna stop avoiding this. We're gonna do it all. Yeah, I think... For me, it was the middle of the summer when, like, around the All-Star break when they were, like, in playoff position, I think. It was the classic, like, if the season ends today, they'd be in it. And then I started looking at the rest of the league. At this time, I still wasn't really taking the A's seriously, which 
is a foolish thing to do, as we've learned many, many, many times. times. They you cannot kill them. They're like the Michael Myers of baseball. <laughs> I remember um, I during the 2018 season, I was working for the Seattle Rain. They were still called Seattle Rain FC at the time. hadn't moved to Tacoma yet, and I was in the press box before a game um, talking to. Uh, Alexa Philippou, who is now uh, working in Connecticut covering UConn basketball. But at the time, she was working for the Seattle Times, and we were just talking baseball. She is an Orioles fan, so I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's crazy. You guys were like had a couple good years, and now you're the worst team I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> the Mariners are kind of doing the opposite of that. And I remember saying out loud, like, if everything goes right, they're going to make the playoffs. And as soon as I said that out loud, I was like, that feels wrong. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> And, then, and I'm not even like it's not even like I'm a big jinx person like I'm I feel like I'm smart enough to know that like me having a conversation with someone doesn't affect the Mariners at all but it was more like oh like that the feeling was weird like talk, yeah. thinking about the Mariners and talking about them as a playoff team sort of started me down this like queasiness that I wasn't really prepared for and then of course inevitably it all fell apart and then I think the beauty of the rebuild is that now we don't even have to deal with that anymore it's like we can just from day one, watch them without wondering like how the rotation would work in the playoffs or if we're overusing the bullpen before October. Yeah. Like it's nice to just be able to watch baseball again, which I know is a weird thing to say for someone who's a Mariners fan. But like <laughs> fourteen to eighteen, that time span, which was the time I was following the Mariners the closest, was like they felt like they were you know right there, like it could have happened. And then when it doesn't, you have to sort of find a new way to consume them and I think we're all going to be doing that I mean it started last year for sure but we're all definitely going to be doing it right. in 2020 um, I don't know if you guys saw the some casino in Vegas has the Mariners at 300 to 1 odds to win the World Series which is the lowest of any team in the league and that really was kinda, yeah that was worse than the Orioles worse than the Orioles I believe wow. I a lot of that has to do with just um, the Mariners I hate to say it but like irrelevance like no one is if you put 300 to 1 odds on it then someone will at least be like Oh, you know, I don't know anything about the Mariners, but I'll give that a shot. The Orioles, I think, are bad enough, and in a East Coast location, the people are like, "Ha, the Orioles suck." You know, with the Mariners, it's like I feel like some guy out there will be like, "Why are they so low?" I'm going to make that bet, which is the whole point of putting such ridiculous odds on it. But anyway, that was my season right. uncut gems I mean, once speech, <laughs> and now I know everything about sports gambling. I really don't think the Mariners are going to be the worst team because, I mean, those odds would would make you believe that they're going to be the worst team in the league, and I just, I don't think that's going to be true. Um, I would take the 2020 Mariners over the 2020 Orioles simply because the 2020 Orioles are not even prospects. Like, those are, I was looking at them the other day, and I mean, it's Chris Davis... Legend. And Alex Cobb and <laughs> a lot of quite, oh, Trey Mancini, maybe. And then it's just a bunch of just really kind of quad A fill in guys. Mountcastle, I guess, is a he's a prospect. But I mean, their wave hasn't arrived yet. Like, at the very least, the Mariners should have at some point Logan Gilbert, Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn, like, Shed Long should be out. Like, we should, Evan White. Kyle Lewis, like, these are baseball players. I mean, they're not, I don't think, they're probably not all going to work out, but, like, those are all pretty good players. I just, I, I I, would like the Mariners better than the Orioles in a head-to-head situation. Yeah. Nat, what do you think? What is your, uh, what are your thoughts um, in January about the 2020 Mariners? <laughs> are you going to be 
like, you know, who is the guy, I guess, if I could ask you a specific question, who's the guy that you're most excited to watch develop this year? Oh, yeah, and who's your favorite prospect? You never answered that. Yeah, um, favorite prospect? Um, it, last season it, it was Shed Long, but I guess he's he's graduated. Um, God, I think we can I, still count him as a prospect. Can we, can we count him as a prospect? We can um, count him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'll still... Here. Okay, I think this you'll season, still count on the list. Th- this season, I'm excited to see Jorge Feliz. Um, I know he's he's young, but won't be here for a while. But um, I think it's George. George, is it George? Okay, I was just the Feliz was throwing me off so much, but yeah. Um, George. I mean, maybe Feliz. it has like a, a Spanish pronunciation that I don't know, but I'm sure it's it does. written as George. Yeah. So maybe yep. it is Jorge. I don't know. George, please. Um, anyway, he was like one of the Mariners. The Mariners were very quiet in international signings this past year. Um, but he was kind of, I, I think he is the, maybe the biggest name. Christian Cardozo, who we signed after the Dodgers failed to sign him, is probably the second biggest name. I think it's one of the two of them is the biggest name that they signed in the international free agent class. So he'll play in the DSL. You won't actually get to see him see him but we'll have his numbers at least right right um but as far as 2020 uh yeah i obviously i don't don't think they'll be competitive and finish worse in the division but um i'm really excited for this season because there's so many players who are just now arriving that we'll get to see develop um you know jp crawford will get to develop even more should affirmation said should long kyle lewis um you know justin dunn and sheffield too um Evan White, um, it's just it'll be really fun because there'll be so many guys that you can um, look at and be excited for. You know, last season there were only a couple at bats a game that I'd really be on the edge of my seat for. You know, and I'd be like, oh, JP's up now, I'm I'm excited. But uh, yeah, now it's so much more frequent. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, what about you, Matthew? Who are you really excited? Who's your favorite? Uh, who are you excited to see develop? Maybe in the lower minors and maybe kind of an MLB adjacent or someone who will be with the big league club this year. Right. Well, as our foremost uh, <laughs> minors expert, I obviously have just so many. I mean, where do you even begin, right? There's so many fun, fun All right. Guys. You like to undersell it, but you know more about prospects. I, and you gain I, yeah. knowledge about prospects every day, I feel I like. I mean, yeah, so. a lot of that is just from interacting with um, our wonderful staff, um, especially the people who are more focused on the minors. I definitely know, like, names. I don't know anything about these guys, but I could, like, I could name you like 30 Mariners prospects, and some of them I don't even know what position they play. Like, that's not a joke. I know a lot of names, but I don't know what they do. I'll say, I mean, I'll add to the shed long praise. I love him with my entire heart. Um, I really, it is tough because, like, if he plays every day, that means D. Gordon is going to be on the bench, which yeah. makes baseball sense. But, like, from a human perspective, um, I, I just don't want that for D. And I also, like, I mean, I think the – the ideal situation would be he gets traded to a contender, but I don't really see that happening either, especially if he can't play. Like, if he can't audition for another team, no. it's going to be tough. Um, but in the low minors, I mean, I like Isaiah Campbell. Uh, I don't know. Kate, where is he going to be this year? He will probably start at Modesto. Uh, it's super aggressive, but, but he's I old, think they're... Right? Wasn't he, he, like a well, he, he didn't pitch at all this year, so, like... I th- they could go the Logan Gilbert thing with him. So Logan Gilbert didn't pitch in his draft year. Isaiah Campbell didn't pitch because he was worked pretty heavily into the playoffs for Arkansas, or the college baseball 
World Series. Um, so they sent Logan Gilbert to a ball to the Sally League. Um, and he played with the West Virginia Power, and it was just, it was so mean. Like, he just blew, I mean, he sliced and diced these poor guys. So, I mean, I, they might just go ahead and be like, this is an unfair matchup and send him straight to high A, but I, I think he'll go. I think it'll be based on, like, what they see out of him in spring training because he will have had a big layoff. He might start in A just for, like, a little bit, getting up to speed, kind of ramping up, kind of like Gilbert did. He spent, I think, the first month, and yeah. then he'll go off to high A. But he's a cool guy. He, he If he makes MLB, he will be the first... Where was he born? Um, Why would you ever ask me that? <laughs> it's like... Uh, it's and okay, give me a second. I'm gonna look sure. it up. I just I it's some place I've never maybe. heard of. Um, I like I don't know. A lot of people don't feel this way, but I love the idea of like a somewhat finished product. Like a college pitcher who's pitched in the College World Series is exciting to me because I feel like he's pretty close to being ready. I mean, Gilbert is the same way, although he didn't have the the national success just because he was at Stetson, but. The reason why I was excited for right. Isaiah Campbell and also for Williamson too, we can throw him in this group. Is like, Portugal? Sorry, as the Azores oh. Islands in Portugal. Yes. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. He's I mean, not actually Portuguese that. though. He he was just born there, but he will be the first one who was born there, if he can make it. So, pretty exciting. Cool. Well, Sorry. For all anyway. our Portuguese listeners, please, uh, <laughs> please devote your life to Isaiah Campbell. I think that's a, a healthy thing for you guys to do. Uh, also, I mean, Noel V. Marte, we should bring him up. He's getting some prospect buzz. Um, I we think should he's definitely an bring him up. Person. Uh, Baseball America just named him to the their number one prospect in the DSL this past year. So uh, the yeah, Mariners do exciting. have like kind of a history of holding guys down a little bit. Um, like they kept Julio Rodriguez there for an extra year. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. And then Julio came stateside and just, like, smashed. Whatever. And then Julio came stateside and just, like, smashed. So it's better than other teams might have them in the Dominican. Although it's fair to say, like, well, was he getting the challenge that he would have gotten elsewhere? But he's still a really good prospect. Uh, super nice guy, too. Very interesting. I should have an interview with him up on the site on the next week or so. Okay, let me uh, let me ask you guys this. Can you give me your way too early uh, win total prediction for the 2020 Mariners? Where do you – you can ballpark it. Like, where do you see this team finishing in the standings? Obviously, I think last place in the in the West is to be expected, but in terms of actual wins, uh, what would you peg them for? Um, I'd say around 75 for me. I, I don't oh, that's pretty I, optimistic. Yeah, I, I'm feeling good about it. Um, I just, you know – more Mitch Haniger, um, p- more pitchers develop. Uh, I just the fielding at the start of the season was so bad too, and we had that that massive slump. I just I feel like we're able to cobble together a few more wins than last. Okay, I love that. Kate, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, Omar Narvaez took a lot of dingers out the door with him, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe a fully healthy Kyle Seeger does add some back in. I mean, definitely the the bottom of the West. 
I'm trying to look at what were the what were last year's who had the worst I don't think we'll be as bad as the Tigers last year. Yeah, the year. Tigers were like that interesting combination of like so bad but not even in a way that was interesting. You know how like the Orioles have kind of become that yeah. team where it's like, haha, they're so bad. The Tigers are just like doing nothing in complete silence. Like I feel like people don't even realize how tr- truly awful the Tigers were because they're just so anonymous. Yeah, it's weird to me that they're not, like, getting... I mean, don't get me wrong. Tigers fans are definitely mad. Um, they, are, they are upset about the direction, lack thereof. Um, but it is really hard to... I just saw something about their rotation as it's going to be in 2021, 20, I think, maybe 2022, and it's, it's insane. It's like Casey Mize... Oh, right. let me look it up. Uh, who are their other ones? I'm trying to think of who's on the Tigers right now. I mean, I know it's Matt Boyd, but, like, I don't know yeah. if I can name... Is Zimmerman still there? Who are their pitchers? <laughs> who is anyone on the Tigers? <laughs> who are their pitchers? Um, I honestly... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mize might be up this year with them. That Let's would be the exciting. Tigers depth chart. Um... The depth chart yeah, for the Tigers guy. has listed atop it. This is going to be slow. I'm actually weirdly much better. Well, I mean, listed atop it, obviously, is Matt Boyd. Uh, ooh. Norris? Daniel Norris? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's the guy who lived is in his right? van. I remember him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something called a Turnbull? Obviously, yeah. Wasn't that the headmaster in Matilda? Yeah, and that's Miss Trunchbull, uh, I believe. She was very mean to Okay. Matilda. Uh, then we have Jordan Zimmerman. So, yes, still still okay. alive and kicking. Then I'm, something called a... You're talking the Tigers a little bit. <laughs> Tyler Alexander? I don't... That's there. And yeah, then there's... Oh, there's still point. Michael Fulmer, who I think is a good candidate to maybe have a, a bounce back. He's been rough, but I... He's not even listed as one of their top starters now. But I, I think there's a chance that Fulmer maybe can pull it together. I don't know, because I don't know what the pitching development looks like in the organization right now or how things are going. But um, Yeah, I also frankly yeah, do that's, not care. Yeah, that's, that's, that's rough. And there's a good chance that Boyd gets traded to the Angels. I mean, the Angels have to do something about their rotation. Like, it is... I... <laughs> What is the point of going out and spending a gazillion dollars on Rendon to not have any kind of stability in your rotation? I just think that is bizarre. And, like, Angels fans on Twitter were balking at the idea of giving up Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh! I mean, I get not wanting to give up Adele. Obviously, that's a huge part moving forward, even though I think there's some really questionable swing and miss in his profile. I was not super I was not as impressed as I thought I would be at the Arizona Fall League with Joe Adele. Like he didn't just blow me away. Um and maybe maybe my expectations were set too high, but I saw him strike out a lot at some bad balls. Um Wait, but I anyway, have a question for uh, Matt real quick. Oh, go ahead. Nat, I want to know who your least favorite team is. Do you have like of the AL West teams, which one oh, do you angels. hate? Oh, Angels. It's the Angels. Most? Easy. Easily the Angels. Really? Oh, okay. yeah, obviously. Yeah. I agree, I, but I'm oh, just clearly. wondering. 
Is it because of Trout and Otani mainly, or is it like you have history with them? I want to know like how that how that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Astros there. are annoying because they're they're good right now and uh, trash cans and whatnot. But um, <laughs> just the Otani thing that was my first, like I said, my first real Mariners heartbreak, and so uh, for him to go there and them still be so terrible, that makes me angry because just from a pure baseball fan perspective, for them to have uh, two of the more um, exciting players in the game and still manage to be pretty terrible is you just hate to see that but um, yeah I, I just really dislike them as a, as a franchise as a whole yeah yeah I'm with you okay we should move to uh, questions we got um, we put out a, <laughs> a question on Twitter but it was like 20 minutes before we started recording so we had to go to our trusty staff to ask us questions so thank you to the staff uh, no thanks to anyone on Twitter. You should all delete your accounts tomorrow. Okay, first question from the lovely Zach Gottschalk. Uh, what is the worst thing you've ever eaten at Safeco slash T-Mobile Park? I want to bring this up because I also want to know Nat's experiences at Safeco Field slash T-Mobile as someone who didn't really grow up in the Seattle area proper. Um, Nat, first of all, I guess, what, like, what is your relationship to T-Mobile Park slash Safeco Field? Yeah, so I've I've that's the only game I've been to. Um, during the summer, I work a ton, um, so I can go to school. So I don't usually get a ton of time to uh, go up and watch the Mariners try to play baseball. Um, so I I think I had a pretzel that game, something super mundane. I know you know the Mariners get a lot of shade for crickets and uh, other stuff they try to do to get people to get the games, but um, I I didn't really care that much about the transition to T-Mobile Park, um, but I also wasn't attached to Safeco as I'm sure most of you were. I dislike the pink though I'll say that. Oh okay. Okay. Fair take. It's magenta and please do not email us T-Mobile Park. I promise I will T-Mobile period I will uh, I will talk to him I will I will discipline our employee. They're very it picky was about that. The It's just the CEO on Twitter that's gonna be oh you, you don't, yeah, yeah he's I a little I, he's got big like I'm not your dad but I'd like to be your friend energy and I don't like <laughs> yep. it mm-hmm. it really turns me off totally totally yeah I've, yeah I have just a very big teacher teacher relatable teacher energy right there for me but not a fan yeah. oh yeah turning the turning the chair around teacher yeah oh exactly uh, yeah uh, Matthew, is the question, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten at T-Mobile? That is the question. Um, bless this food worker's heart. It was a game that I think I paid like $5 to go see. Rowanis Elias was pitching. They were so far out of it. This was maybe 2015. I think it was 2015. I wasn't writing for the site yet. Um, they were so bad and the game was so underattended. It was against somebody like, I don't know, Tampa Bay or it was just not, not a huge draw to be in with. And there was no one there. And I think that this food service worker at one of the stands was like, I'm going to make the most beautiful plate of garlic fries that have ever been made. And like, just took a ton of time with them and put so much garlic on them so much raw garlic like an entire jar of garlic and they were like inedible and just tons of cheese and 
the fries kind of collapsed under the weight of all the garlic. <laughs> they have not been able to eat the garlic fries since. But bless your heart, whoever you are, for really being like, I'm going to, there's no one here. I've got all the time in the world. I'm really going to put my whole heart into this. I'm sorry I have to eliminate you on Chopped, but I really, <laughs> the heart in your dish was just incredible. Hmm. I've also, I've had to sort of scale back my garlic fries consumption just because they don't, like, they're good, obviously. I don't dislike them, but that was, like, my go-to for so long that now I feel like I need to have a little break from them. And also realizing that, like, just garlic on top of fries probably isn't, like, a great meal, you know? (laughs) Because usually if I'm at a Mariners game and I'm getting food, like, that's my dinner, you know? And just eating a bunch of straight garlic, like you said, that they just pour on top of potatoes, yeah. Isn't necessarily my favorite thing. But I also, like, I don't really have... Nothing comes to mind as the worst thing I've eaten there because at this point, like, I know what I want usually and I just go straight to that stand. Like, I don't really have the patience for people who, like, want to walk the entire concourse before making a decision. I usually just, like, know exactly where I'm going. So. Oh, no, I really... I like to take a lap. It's a big choice. And it is a big financial investment, too. That like, is true. You have to let somebody take a lap and see what looks good that day. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I'm not trying to dissuade people sitting there. I'm like, oh, I want the Vogie Hoagie or whatever, and then I go get that, or, like, maybe I just I mean, the answer is pretty much always, I want the Vogie Hoagie, right? The Vogie Hoagie, to my, I think the Vogie, it's a tie between the Vogie Hoagie and the chicken sandwich at Fats, but. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Those are the two best things on offer at the ballpark, if you ask me. I think the worst thing I've had is the, the, the like, T-Mobile corporate-sponsored pink drink. <laughs> Magenta! I didn't get three of them, but I didn't like the way they tasted. But at the It end was of the not day, like, um, delicious. No. no. I think it could just use some work. Like, a little tweak to the recipe, and I think we're good. But You know, um, I really wanted to like that, because the person who invented the cocktail is, like, a very major player on the seattle cocktail scene and also a woman and like somebody i would love to support but the and the drink as described is very interesting sounding but like the actual payoff i know they're trying to make it low alcohol and i think that that's great like probably we could all stand to drink a little less at the games although have you been to one of the games um but it just, it doesn't work. It's watery tasting. It's not, yeah. I, I might change my answer to say that that is the worst. If, I have to grade the garlic fries. You know, they're usually pretty good. This is mm-hmm. consistently disappointing. So, sorry. Yeah, I, I also do want to repeat that I did drink it. Like, I obviously, <laughs> It was free. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to not drink it. But I still no. was, the whole time I was like, eh, I don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I was doing like the real life kombucha girl reaction the entire time. <laughs> No. Well, maybe. Let me try it again. Still no. Yeah. It's bad. Um, Okay. Another question from Zach Gottschalk. Which Mariner would you want on your side in a game of badminton? Uh, I have not played badminton, I don't think, since uh, high school PE, but I do like it. And I would play it if given the chance, especially to team up with a Mariner. That would be a dream come true. Um, I think I would want... I'm going to go J.P. Crawford, I think. I think he has the most raw athleticism. Mm, and I just, yeah. after seeing that throw he made last year, I was I feel like he could excel in badminton. It's also like a small court, you know, so I think he could cover a lot of the ground pretty easily. Obviously, he would have a lot of power on his return shots. Uh, I don't know. He strikes me as a pretty good badminton player, especially because no one, I feel like, there's not a guy who I would look at them and think, oh, he played badminton growing up. Like maybe one of the anonymous white guy relievers 
But if I had to pick someone who's like gonna just dominate, I think JP Crawford's the best. Bet. Yeah. Was that your answer, mm. Nat? I know you're a big JP Crawford fan. I'm gonna go Malik Smith. I feel like he's a better Ooh. better athlete than JP. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, he he has a really good outfielder jump. It's in like the 92nd percentile. Something you could just spike it. Um, that's my thought. Um, mm-hmm. But that's if I was trying to win. I think. I'm not that big in a badminton, so I think I might just choose Daniel Vogelbach because that's something I'd just really like to see. Um, <laughs> and it, I'd, it'd be worth taking the L, but I, I, uh, I think it'd be, be a lot of fun to witness. Yeah, if this is like a beer badminton league where I really care about my company, but um, I don't care about how good of a time I have. I'm only having a good time if I'm winning. I like to win 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 that's all i do um everything else not actually all i do but um (laughs) but no i i am competitive and especially in stupid games that should not mean anything i really like to win so i would hook myself up with the other person in the mariners organization who i think cares about winning at all expenses like does not matter and that is jared kelnick who has actually said, like, even if we're in a quote, uh, even if we're just playing chess, I will destroy you. Like, he also just wants to win all the time at everything. So I feel like we would be the villains, certainly, um, of the badminton court, but we would also win. So, yeah, I didn't think about minor leaguers. You and Jared would be a big, like, you know, in like 80s movies where it's like you have to play for the court, otherwise they turn it into a mall or whatever. Like you, guys are, you guys would be the final scene where it's like, oh, we got to play Jared and Kate, otherwise they're going to tear down Badminton Park. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we would definitely have like, I mean, Jared already looks a little bit like a villain from an he 80s really like does. ski movies, blonde, yeah. and, you know. Uh, yeah, we would definitely be. And the the trash talk, I think, would be. I'm a great, I'm a fantastic trash talker. I would not probably bring that much athletically to, but Jared would have that covered. I would do the trash talking, and it would be epic. So, yeah. sorry, badminton court is totally going to be a mall. <laughs> um, follow-up question for Nat. Which manner do you think would be the best rock climber? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for rock climbing, you want to be light. Uh, you want to be more wiry. Um, so I, f- I feel like JP would have a good build. It's funny, the best height for climbing is more on like 5'10", um, which is kind of what you might not think because you'd want to reach things, but it's actually so you can get your feet higher. Um, so I might might go Malix again because I know he's he's around that height and uh, he's got, got some muscle, probably between JP and Malix again. Um, yeah. Smart. I think you're I underselling no Jared, who, again, is very so is of, relatively light. But he's too beefy, probably around, I think. You think he's too beefy? I thought climbers had to be a little beefy up top, no? I mean, yes, but he's just overdoing it at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I, think be, I, think, I think he'd just be too busy, like, scoping his own biceps while he was climbing to actually do the climbing, but... Um, that, that that's fair. That's a, yeah. that's a fair. Yeah, I think Jared would be a big Instagram rock climber. You know, like one of those <laughs> who's not actually that good, but has the coolest Instagram shots. I would give up way too much for the Jared Kelnick rock climbing pretty boy swag mashup, but so. <laughs> <laughs> we should link to that as well, so people know what we're talking about. Yes, Jared please. truly blessed us with one of the most ridiculous hype videos we've ever seen. Set to Soldier Boy's hit, Pretty Boy Swag. 
which I hadn't <laughs> heard in years. I was happy that yeah. he reintroduced me to that song. A little this. ridiculous, but he's ours and we love him. Exactly. So. He sure Beautiful. is. Thank you, Mets. Um, let's <laughs> Thank end with you, this Mets. then. Um, in the spirit of, oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this, Elon Musk's upcoming child with <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real a real timeline we're living on. Um, <laughs> which Mariner definitely owns and gloats about his Tesla. I like this. This is from Joe Doyle, um, staff writer for Lookout Landing. Uh, I love this question because I realize I don't really know what the Mariners drive. I know Jared has his G wagon that he splurged on after he got his signing bonus. I named Rihanna. Like I know- yes, named Rihanna. Um, I feel like my default thought is that most baseball players drive pickup trucks. So I'm trying oh, to yeah. think of who is a doing well enough financially to buy a Tesla and be at least like somewhat environmentally conscious. Although I guess that's also like not the total reason why you'd even buy a Tesla. Like it can just be a flex. Um, My first thought when I heard this was, I mean, he's not on the team anymore, but (laughs) I feel like Ichiro definitely has a Tesla, right? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Ichiro seems like the kind of guy who would have it for the right reasons and like, wouldn't just be having it to show off. Um, as for, Ichiro kind of just is a Tesla too, if that makes sense. I don't know if that is like, if I'm allowed to say that. But he's, Ichiro <laughs> reminds me of a Tesla. Um, as far as current Mariners, I feel like Marco and Mitch, I feel like kind of have yeah. Tesla owner vibes. Like that young rich, a lot of new money, but not like, not they're not from like, I feel like this is probably also not a totally wonderful thing to say, but the Southern dudes, I feel like probably aren't interested in Teslas. And that's totally my my liberal West Coast bubble talking, but my first thought was like, who is sort of young and like, in my head, at least a little bit like environmentally aware. And those two, Mitch and Marco, were the first thought. Is there anyone else that like immediately jumps to mind who would maybe own a Tesla? No, they were the ones who jumped to mind for me as well. And they both live in West Seattle. So I like the idea of them co-owning a Tesla and like sharing it, splitting it between the two of them. Like, oh, one person gets it for groceries on Saturday and... Yeah. You know, the other one gets to take it to church on Sunday, and they, like, carpool to the ballpark together and take turns driving each other. Yeah. Matt, any thoughts? Who do you think no. owns a Tesla on the Mariners? Yeah, I, Marco is my guess. He seems like the perfect practical practical dad Tesla owner. Um, <laughs> it just radiates that to me. Um, I was also thinking Evan White, maybe, um, but I also feel like he might not be, with, just with that new contract, I was thinking he, he, he would splash on it. Tesla. Mm, Evan White is simple. He's a simple. He's he's a fairly simple man. Uh, I think yeah. Ev- Evan White would drive American-made, like good old, bo- you know, sort of two thousand six Ford Fusion. Sort yeah, of thing. <laughs> and he's also he's not super flashy. I mean, he's got a lot of money now, but he really does not splash it too much. You know, he has a pretty. He bought a house, but it's like not in a crazy house. It's in Arizona, so he can like train and work out all the time and you know he golfs maybe he'd buy a tesla golf cart but i I think i i think if i'm going anyone from the minor league system if austin shenton had gotten a bigger signing bonus i think it would be him because he's like mr environment he's very concerned about we have a couple of guys in the system actually who are like very environmentally conscious one is nolan hoffman who is Sadly, not pitching right now. He had TJ. Uh, he was a 2018 draftee, I think. And then Shenton, obviously from 2019, who is really a dope dude. There's a great story about him in The Athletic right now uh, about 
Max Higby Center in Bellingham, um, which is a center that supports people with developmental disabilities, and his brother attends, and they're doing this big fundraiser. So, like, definitely check that out, or we have a link to it uh, somewhere on the site, or you can just go to any of his social pages. He or you can just go to any of his social pages. He has links to it, but yeah, uh, maybe both as a flex and for the right reasons. That's great. I think we were all correct on everything we said for this entire episode. Um, Matt, before we sign off, can you direct the people to your social media or anything else you want to promote? Let's uh, let's shamelessly plug everything that you do. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I do Twitter and I do Instagram. Um, I, I feel like Facebook, yeah, Facebook is phasing out of our world, I think. Um, but yeah, Twitter. Oh, you wish, are- friend. Oh, it totally is. I don't know anyone my age who has a Facebook. What is yeah. your username on Twitter? Twitter is at Nathaniel underscore L Ray. As in the king, is that correct? As in the king. A uh, man by the name of Manolo uh, called me L Ray, and I just decided I'd make it my username five years ago. Not five years, like three years ago when I had Twitter, and I don't know how to change it. So Perfect. <laughs> Really you can change it. I changed that. mine from a very, very incomprehensible one to one that makes more sense. To your real no, name. I'm... Yeah, everyone check out Kate's new username on Twitter, which is just at Kate Prusser. A really landmark day, <laughs> yeah. I think. Goodbye to uh, once again to Zelda with like 16 numbers in there. Mm. Yeah. The more you know. Again, it's difficult when you make one a long time ago. and You know, I didn't know what Twitter... I thought... I never thought I was going to be on Twitter as much as I was on, as I am now on Twitter. Oh, those halcyon days. Let me be a lesson to you, Nat. I made my Twitter in high school and I'm still using it and it's terrifying. (laughs) Um, I did, I've like gone back and just made sure there was nothing that would get me in trouble and there wasn't, but like, it's just so cringy looking back at it now. Um, Shout out to girls. Hashtag girls. That one is going in a museum. That one is fantastic. I stand by that one. There were other ones that I was just like, it was the classic, like, why did you think that thought need, needed to be on the internet, Matthew? Um, but also no one was reading them, so it's fine. Anyway, that Twitter account is at mroberson22. If anyone wants to kill an entire day, please read all of them going back to my junior year of high school and let me know what you find. That would actually be very delightful. Um, as always, read lookoutlanding.com. Please subscribe to this podcast it'll help us get that white claw money eventually and uh yeah stay (laughs) tuned we're going to be doing more of these all off season and before we know it spring training will be here and i feel like i've been saying that since october but now it's actually real we're like a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting ish month and a half or so so uh yeah thank you nat for joining us and kate for yeah i mean we started the 40 and 40 we have yeah i know we're getting close baby um, and tune in next week when we probably have someone else talking about this horrible, horrible decision we all made to support the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Kate, now that you're back, do you want to hit us with uh, the signature ending? Uh, bye.